Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee, Lord, that we can gather here today. Thank you, Lord, for the open door that we may come in and bow before thee, that we may open your word, that we may praise thee, and we ask that you would bless all aspects of our worship this day. Take our tithes, take our offerings, and we ask that you would bless them, that the gospel may go forth over this land and through this sanctuary as well. Bless our pastor, give him the words to speak, and we ask that you would touch each and every heart. Help us to rejoice, to know the goodness of our Heavenly Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll stand uh, to sing verse 4 of this hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, verse 4, where the whole realm of nature mine. Standing, please. be seated. Let's unite in prayer as we come to the Word of God, and let us ask for the Lord's blessing uh, to be upon it. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee that we can look to Thee. We thank Thee that uh, we can set our hearts upon Thee, and we pray now that coming to the preaching of Thy Word, and thinking upon uh, what Thou would have us to consider in light of this new year, that Thou would bless us, uh, Thou would teach our souls, instruct our hearts, walk in Thy ways. And Father, we pray that Thy Word would uh, be used by Thee to draw souls to Thyself, to save those outside of Christ. And Father, encourage Thy people. Build us up in our faith, we pray. And glorify thy name, and we pray for the Savior's sake. Amen. Amen. I want to draw your attention this morning to Joshua chapter 13. Joshua chapter 13. And it is the first verse uh, that I want you to consider this morning. And as we come this year, uh, we're going to take a text for the year to focus upon a text uh, that uh, will challenge our souls by the grace of God. We see it in verse uh, 1 of Joshua chapter 13, and we're not looking at those words, thou art, thou art old and strict in years. Uh, there may be some here, maybe myself included, and we could say, well, that's a motto for us this year. We're old and we're stricken in years. Uh, but that's not where we're going this morning. Uh, but we'll read verse 1, and it says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou old and stricken in years, yet very much land to be possessed. Thou art 
and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. At the beginning of the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, it is said uh, that there was a man by the name of Martin who came to a knowledge of the truth. But he was afraid to make a public confession, and he wrote upon a leaf of parchment, O most merciful Christ, I know that I can be saved only by the merit of thy blood. I acknowledge thy sufferings for me. I love thee. I love thee. Then he removed a stone from the wall of his chamber and hid it there. It was not discovered, it is said, for more than a hundred years. About the same time, there was another Martin, Martin Luther, and he found the truth as it is found in Christ. And he said that, My Lord has confessed me before men. I will not shrink from confessing him before kings. And the world knows what follows, uh, because Martin Luther is remembered, uh, but not the other. Luther, he fulfilled the duty that he had as a preacher of the gospel of Christ to go forth into the world to possess the land for the Lord. He was so moved by the truth of the gospel that he could not keep that truth to himself. He could not hide it away. And that is a fundamental principle, dear believer, for you and I. We possess the truth of God. We possess the truth by which men and women can be saved from their sin. And so we take this treasure and do we go out and bury it in a field so no man can see it? No. We're to preach it. We're to live it. We're to hold to it. We're to present it to those who are in their sins. We're reminded of the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. A commission that reaches out geographically across this world and of course it reaches through time as well. It is always duty and it is the responsibility and commission of the church of Christ. And our reading this morning has brought us to Joshua chapter 13. It brings us to a Joshua who is old and stricken in years. And just in case there was any doubt that he was old and stricken in years, uh, the Lord himself said to Joshua, thou art old and stricken in years. The time is coming. And certainly at the end of the book, he would die but right now, there is a consideration of the work that had been carried out for the Lord, and that work revolved in the inheritance that God had given his people in the promised land of Canaan. Uh, we can think of Genesis chapter 12, and uh, we'll turn to it. Uh, but there, promised to Abraham, that place of blessing for him and his seed. But this inheritance itself was a type of blessing that the people of God received through the Lord. Jesus Christ. The Israelites here had no natural right to the land. It was a right through the promise of God. And like that spiritual inheritance we have through our the Lord Jesus Christ, they had this promise bestowed upon them. And as we stand at the commencement of another year, we think of the spiritual blessings that come from the Lord. 
spiritual blessings that come from Christ and that great spiritual inheritance we have as believers. And is that inheritance? The inheritance of salvation and the promised land. Is that your inheritance? Have you possessed it? Can you say, the Lord, he is my God and he is my Savior. I trust in him and his salvation and his redemption and his grace and uh, the splendor and beauty of heaven one day. That is my inheritance because Christ is my Savior from sin. Have you possessed it? Do you know it? Are you looking forward to that day where that inheritance you'll see for yourself? Oh, that you would be saved and trust in the Lord. The children of Israel had left Egypt for the purpose of possessing the land that God had promised to them. And if we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32, Deuteronomy chapter 32, <coughs> they're reminded never to forget the past. In verse 7, it says, Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee. The children of Israel left Egypt to possess the land and they were told and instructed time and time again, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. There is an importance of remembering the past. And we as a church and as a congregation reflect upon the past year and years and we are mindful of God's blessings. We are mindful of how he has brought us together, how he is blessed through the preaching of his word, how souls have been saved over the years. Our reflection of God's blessings goes back years of congregation, long before many of us came into contact with this church or this denomination. It perhaps goes back long before some of us were born, before some of us heard the gospel of Christ. We can look back to 1951 in Northern Ireland and how this denomination's parent church came into existence by men who took a stand for gospel truth and who desired that God would be faithfully preached in places where that truth lay neglected. Moving back 40 years to 1984, there was a desire within the heart of the Reverend Golliger to come to Vancouver to preach the truth and to plant a church. And as many are aware, he arrived in July 1984 by the will of God. And so we as a congregation reflect back on a special anniversary, remembering God's blessings over the past 40 years. And when we think of that time, and we think of how the Lord had moved and established a work here. No doubt it wasn't easy in those early days. Uh, but I read an article, I came across an article in one of our church magazines in the library. And I tried to find the article for this sermon and I couldn't find it. And I remembered I took a photograph and I sent it to somebody. And so I was able to look at the photograph at had sent. And that article says that for around three years in the early 80s, 
And let the Bible speak. The radio ministry had been preaching a gospel in this area. And as a result, they were inquiring about a free Presbyterian church. Moving forward, uh, there was a burden and a vision uh, regarding uh, the work here by the Reverend Frank McClelland and, of course, the Reverend Golliger, who was ministering in Northern Ireland. And he came over to conduct some meetings. Uh, there was a meeting at uh, Guildford School. Uh, there were 21 in attendance. And uh, there, the Reverend Golliger preached and emphasized the importance and the need of a local New Testament church in this day of apostasy from the truth. And what did he mean by that, apostasy from the truth? He meant that while many churches today, there are some that have set aside the truth, and we see that even more today. Even more today. If we had uh, turned around to those who were at that meeting 40 years ago and told them what goes on in some churches today, and the agendas pushed in some churches 40 years later, uh, they uh, would think we were mad. And if we turn around maybe to some who were engaged in these things and said, well, this is the start of a slippery slope and you're going to end up in this position after 40 years, maybe they wouldn't even believe that. But we look and we see how many who claim the name of Christ and claim the name of a Christian church have departed so far from the truth of the gospel. They moved into apostasy forsaking the truth of issues today, there is still a need to stand upon the truths of Scripture and to preach those truths. And standing for those truths was part of the reason church came into existence. Not merely so there could be another free Presbyterian church in Canada and we build and build and move forward, but because there was a need. And that need created a purpose. And God blessed that purpose and brought these plans into fruition that there would be a church that stood for the truth of God, that stood for the gospel of Christ. At that time, uh, the Pope was coming uh, to Vancouver over that period of the early 80s. Uh, we also have uh, Billy Graham and, of course, while many have a very high opinion of Billy Graham, uh, there were associations that he had that are very questionable. And those whom he had leading and organizing some of his meetings, this article mentions uh, one particular place in the local Roman Catholic Archbishop being involved. Not a man who could get up and preach justification by faith in Christ alone the true message of the gospel. And so by the grace of God, there was a church formed. And therefore, as we come to the first Lord's Day of this year, a year in which we reflect upon 40 years, it is good to think upon a text that will encourage us and remind us of the duty that we have and encourage us to keep moving forward for God. Why? Because the work is not done. The Great Commission came to the apostles and they preached the word, but that work is still ongoing today. And it will not cease until the return of the Savior. 
And when we think of this work, we can think of the constant growth of this area. We can look at facts and figures. In 1984, the population of Greater Vancouver was around 1.3 million people. That's a lot of people. Today, it's doubled to around 2.7. These aren't exact figures, give or take, uh, but around 2.7. Surrey itself was only around 170,000 in 1984. So Wikipedia says, if you can trust those figures. But now it has over 570,000 people. So if we immediately, we immediately see something. If we are to think of this text as representing the spiritual work of possessing the land and preaching the gospel of Christ, then there is constant work and labor to be done in his name, because constantly there have been those in this area moving into this area, the population growth, that there is still a work to be done for the Lord. Let us not fall short of that, but let us labor on for his honor and for his glory. And so this morning I want you to see possessing the land for the Lord, possessing the land for the Lord. And firstly, we must assess our spiritual labor. We must assess our spiritual labor. Is it not a good thing to assess ourselves spiritually? In 1 Corinthians 11, the apostle said that about the Lord's table. He says, examine yourself. Take a look at yourself. Look at your sin. Look at how you behave and how you act. Take a look, not at what others do. Not at their attitude, but look at yourself. Not looking at others and think, well, they per se profess Christ as Savior. And they do very little for Christ. So I don't need to do as much work as they do. I don't need to serve Christ more diligently than they do. They do very little. But our standard is not other people. Whether it is looking at our sins, whether it is looking at the service of others, our standard is not other people. Our standard is Scripture and our example ultimately is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this text is an honest evaluation of the work that had been carried out for the Lord. Why is that? Well, the Lord says to Joshua, thou art old and stricken in years. And of course, that is a very good and honest evaluation of Joshua at this point in time. But then we have the evaluation of the work. And there remaineth yet much, yet very much land to be possessed. That's the Lord's assessment. There's more to be done. This isn't over. This isn't over. And the Lord had given instructions for this conquest. If we turn back to Exodus chapter 23, Exodus chapter 23 and the verse 27. The Lord says, I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea, even unto the Sea of the Philistines, and from the desert unto the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. 
They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. There was instruction from the Lord regarding this, and the Lord was with them. They were instructed to serve him and to serve him alone. Uh, but if we move forward to Judges chapter 2, Judges chapter 2 and uh, the verse the verse 7, we see that people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And then verse 10, there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Moving to verse uh, 19, uh, we see uh, that the anger of the Lord, verse 20, was against them because that this people hath transgressed my covenant which I have commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my voice. I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. And so there was a need to put the land. There was still work to be done. But because there was sin then this did not take place. Joshua had conquered Jericho by the power of God. And that was a tremendous testament to the power of the Lord. They marched around the city, obedience to God, and God blessed. And Joshua can look back and say, God was with me. God was with his people. God gave us the victory. If we turn to Joshua chapter 4, and in the verse 19, uh, we... See, verse number 20. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And the question is asked, verse 21, what mean these stones? And then uh, verse 23, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. There's a reminder of the power of God, of God's presence, of God going before them. And there's a glorious purpose to all of this, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord. Something similar was said when David fought Goliath. There was... This cause, David said, is there not a cause? And what was that cause? That all the earth might know that there is a God in Israel. And this was the reminder. There was a memorial of God's blessing. Israel's ability to conquer the land was something that came from the Lord himself. It was not of human origin. It was the Lord. Dear believer, let us assess ourselves. We ought to have much thankfulness and praise for the Lord for his goodness, his mercy, for his presence, for his help, for establishing this congregation. And we need that continued help. Are we praying for that? We cannot go forth without the power of the Lord. Moses said, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. And dear believer, as part of this congregation, is there a desire within you to spiritually possess the land for the Lord. But you see the great responsibility the church has to preach the word and to witness to those who are lost in sin 
and you're determined by the grace God to go out and to seek to possess that land for the Savior. As we assess ourselves over the past 40 years, are there not times where we can thank the Lord for His blessing, rejoice in where we are today, but yet we need to be mindful there is more to be done. There is more to be done. We can think of Moses, 40 years spent in Egypt, and then there was 40 years in the wilderness. And then 40 years leading the children of Israel, there was more to be done. More to be done. Is your spiritual labor Christ-centered? And is it Christ-empowered? Is it centered on the Savior? Is it empowered by His Spirit? In Joshua 7, children of Israel were today I. They had committed a trespass against the Lord. There was sin within the camp. And dear believer, we need to assess ourselves as well. We're to look at the good times. We're to look at the blessings and thank God and look for those times in the future. But we're also to look at ourselves. And is there sin within the camp? Because sin affects the work of God. And as Joshua thought of the land that was still yet to be possessed... Was he not reminded not only of what God had done to do with AI, not because of God being the failure, certainly not, but because there had been sin in the camp. Sin in the camp. Joshua chapter 7. And so let us assess ourselves. Let us assess our spiritual labor. Are we serving the Lord? Are we desirous for it? Are we thanking the Lord for what He has done? Are we looking at sin within our life and dealing with that sin? Are we looking across where God has placed us? And do we see that there is this great need to go out and possess the land of the Lord? A great need for the gospel. And how do we possess that land? We don't go out with swords and spears and swords. Shields and all the weapons of ancient times. It's a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle to preach the word. To witness for Christ. To stand for him in this day. Oh, that we would go forth for him to possess the land. To seek to preach Christ to make his name known, not to hide away, not to be like that Martin of old that we mentioned who took his statement of faith and hid it away, but that that statement of faith like Martin Luther would be preached and proclaimed for all to see. We must assess our spiritual labor, but secondly, we must be challenged for spiritual labor challenged for spiritual labor. These words not only provide an assessment, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed, but they set forth a challenge that should stir our hearts for the Lord. What of ourselves? What of our spiritual labor? Do we see there's a challenge here and a challenge for Israel? There's more to be done, more land to be possessed for the Lord. Is there a spiritual vision a spiritual vision for those who need the Savior. Dear congregation, we must have a spiritual vision. We must look out across 
where God has placed us and see a need for the gospel. If there's no need, or we see no need for the gospel outside of these walls, do we not have a problem within our own hearts? That Joshua turned around and said, Lord, you're wrong. There's n- the land has been possessed. The work has been done. I've come and I'm old and stricken in years. I'm not long for this world. But the work is done. Would he not have been blinded by that? He didn't see the truth. He didn't see the need. God saw the need in our generation because he has told us to go out and to preach the word, to preach the gospel, to preach Christ. And if we are to say, no, the work is we're fooling ourselves. We've been here 40 years and God is blessed and we rejoice in that. But there's another 40 years in God's will. And there's work to be done for him and for his kingdom. And so let us pray And let us labor and let us support the work of God. Let us have a vision, a vision that the land would be possessed for the Savior. That we would not, as Paul said, be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. I've preached on this here before. Acts chapter 17. And here we find uh, the apostle. And he's in Athens. Verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Here we have the heart of the apostle one who loved the Lord and had a desire for the Lord and a desire to preach Christ to those who not only had heard nothing of Christ but were living in sin and living in idolatry and following a religion that would not take them to heaven but would take them to hell. And what does the apostle experience? His spirit was stirred in him when he looked at the city and when he saw the idols and when he saw the temples and when he saw the false worship. And what does that all boil down to? He saw men and women who were going to hell who did not know the truth of the gospel of Christ. His spirit was stirred in him. His spirit was stirred in him. How often is our spirit stirred within us? I went on the road the other day. I turned left onto 64th Avenue. And uh, there was a vehicle coming behind me. They went into the other lane, and I accelerated within the speed limit to get up to the speed limit, and they almost cut me off. They came across, and their wheels were on my side. They were where I was going to drive. And, of course, I hit the brake, and I may have have, uh, made a little noise to wake them up, that they're on my side of the road and I almost hit them. And we can get stirred up about these things. You know, that person almost hit me or that person ran a red light. I think we saw that the other day as well. Every day you go out on the roads, there's always something happening. 
and uh, we should pray for safety. And uh, we should pray for safety, as we said on Wednesday evening. But we can get stirred up about these things. Does that matter in the great scheme of this world, in the great scheme of spiritual things? Probably not. But the attitudes of others, and how they behave and how they act, they certainly stir us up. Maybe righteously, in regard to safety, in regard to health, maybe they absolutely 100% frustrate us and we get worked up. Here's the apostle, and there's a righteous stirring of his heart, and he looks at men and women following a false religion, following those who are outside of, following a religion that takes them outside of God and away from God and to hell, from God forever, and he cares for them, and his spirit is stirred, and he wants to take action, and he does take action because he preaches the word of God. Dear believer, do we have such vision? As we look outside the walls of the congregation, do we see a land that is to be possessed for the Lord because those exactly whom the apostle saw here who are wholly given to idolatry and Christ must be preached. Christ must be lived for. I've said it before, I'm sure I'll say it again, that as we live and go about our daily lives, the pastor can't reach everybody. So at 2.7 million people, it's a lot of people to talk to. I don't know how that would work out. Would that be one person every second for, for a year or maybe a lot less? I don't know. But we don't, I don't have time to talk to every single person. Every single person is not going to come into contact with this church. There are those in this area who do not know that we exist, who do not know there's a pastor preaching here, who do not know there's a gospel that is preached here, who do not know the contents of that gospel. They know nothing about it, but maybe they know you, and they know who you are and how you conduct yourself and how you live. And how you live for the glory of God. They may never come to this congregation, but through you they can hear the gospel of Christ. And so do we have a vision? Do we have a challenge upon our hearts to possess the land for Christ? To go forth with the gospel? There's much land to be possessed. Much land to be possessed. But then thirdly and finally, we must be consecrated for spiritual labor. We must be consecrated for spiritual labor. And when we think of what is being said here, there's much land to be possessed. There's a work to be done. There's a need to be close to the Lord. We've read verses here in Joshua chapter 23 to turn back to this passage just for a few moments. And these verses remind us of the importance of consecrating ourselves to God, being devoted to Him, being close to Him. There's a great reminder of the need of our walk with God. We can think of the church in Ephesus who left their first love. They served the Lord. Everything was going well in the sense of all that they were supposed to do, they were doing except for loving Christ the way that they did. 
And this is our point here. We're to be consecrated to the Lord for this labor. We can't do it without being consecrated to Him. We can't go out into the land to seek, reach others for Christ, being consecrated to the Lord. There's an importance here of being right with God. In Joshua uh, chapter 24 and the verses 14 uh, through to 21, we have here uh, the people of God promising to serve the Lord. Verse 21, nay, but we will serve the Lord. Verse 24, the Lord our God will we serve, and His voice will we obey. There's a promise they would be close to God. They would obey what the Lord said. In Joshua chapter 23, we have the great warning. What happens if they forsake the Lord? If the land was not possessed, and instead of, instead of fighting for God, instead of standing for Him, instead of conquering that land, they come and they make alliances, and they marry, and they befriend those who are the enemies of God, what happens? Verse 13 of Joshua 23, know for certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until ye perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. There would be snares and traps and scourges and thorns until they perish. They were to keep close to God. There was this great warning that if they did not, the Lord would judge them. The Lord would judge them. And dear believer, there's a need for us to stand against those who are against God. When we think of this church being founded to stand against apostasy, there's still that need today. And by God's grace, we will not water down what we believe or take away from the person and work of Christ in salvation or go against what the Word of God says on many issues. Because we believe it to be the truth, we stand for it. How many have went in to those who have forsaken the truth of God and they've become just like them? just like them. May we be separate. There's an importance of separation, being separate as we engage in the work of God, work united with those who are not people. We can think of Ezra and how there were those who came and said, we want to labor with you. And the leader said, no, because you do not follow the God we follow. We ourselves will do this work. And they separated themselves and put their heads to the work of God and the individual the Lord. Well, we should be separate. And many today talk of separation as if it's a bad thing. As if it's a bad thing. Even within churches that practice separation, there's a growing feeling among many that the word separation is a bad thing. We're isolated. We don't have any friends. We're set apart. But we're not separated from everybody. We're separated unto the Lord. We stand for Him. We fellowship with those 
who have the same principles and who have the same love and similar beliefs in the authority of God's Word. We're separated unto the Lord. It's a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. We're consecrated unto Him. That most certainly is a positive thing. And so, dear believer, when we think of the land that needs to be possessed the Lord, we must be consecrated for spiritual labor. We must be close to the Lord. We must have our hearts in tune with Him. We must desire to forsake sin and live for Him. We must love His Word. We must love His worship. love serving Him. We must have that burden for souls. For if we are not consecrated to Him, then how can we possess the land and seek to win others for the Savior? May the Lord bless His Word this morning for His name's sake. May He challenge us to serve Him. May He challenge us to live for Him. For His name's sake. Amen. And let us pray. Our eternal God and our loving we thank Thee for Thy goodness and grace and mercy toward us. We thank Thee for Joshua and for the battles that he fought for Thee. We think of this from the spiritual perspective and the great need of possessing the land. Father, we pray that we would see that need. That though we have been here 40 years, the Word of God has been preached faithfully and we rejoice in all Thy blessings. O Lord, may we look to the future. There is still more to be done. And may we make sure that we are consecrated to Thee. Father, we pray Thou would move and save and redeem those who are outside of Christ. We pray, Father, that Thou would give us that love and desire to go forward for Thee. That as we come to the Lord's table this evening, that our souls would be refreshed through the power of our Savior. Father, bless us, we pray. Part us with thy blessing. May the love of God, our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship and communion of God, the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen. Amen.